Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Is this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave? Wake up, America, wake up! The political division in the country undeniably deep right now. The big question on a lot of people's minds, can Americans come together and heal? Because it's not a matter of my liberation. It's also a matter of yours. If you're working, if we're working together, it's not because we're going to do something for the poor black people. We're going to do something for each other to save this really rather frightening world. Whatever our differences, we are fellow Americans. And please believe me when I say... No association has ever meant more to me than that. I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. This is a show where we're exploring what it's going to take to make real meaningful change in a country that is as divided as our country is. I'm Van Jones. As you may know or you may not know, this year across the country, gun violence in America just exploded from Miami, Florida to Tucson, Arizona, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, just an unbelievable spike in gun violence. And today we're going to spend some time looking at what's happening in Philadelphia in particular by talking to somebody I know there who's on the ground. His name is Pastor Carl Day. Pastor Carl is a pastor of something called Culture Changing Christians Workshop Center uh, there in New Jersey and in Philadelphia. And he has a front row seat for this catastrophe that's going on. A lot of people don't realize there are parts of Philadelphia that are quite literally war zones. Gunfire all the time. This year, there were more homicides in that city than any year ever before. More than 500 human beings killed mostly by gun violence, and many, many, many more shot. Now, we're talking about kids, we're talking about mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, sons and daughters, and their deaths cause a huge, lasting ripple effect that impacts the whole community for generations to come. And Pastor Carl has seen those effects. Because of that, he's been taking his preaching and his outreach directly into the community, sometimes meeting people where they are in the streets, like on street corners, like standing where people have been killed, doing prayer circles, sometimes within hours. And he is an unbelievable leader. His initiatives are helping people who've been impacted by the gun violence or by homelessness or by incarceration. He's mentoring a lot of young people in Philadelphia, teaching them how to be entrepreneurs. And he's formerly incarcerated himself. So he really has a deeper insight into what's going on. But what I love about him is He is not like a lot of folks like me (laughs) talking about this stuff on cable news or in the halls of Congress. Most of the time, folks in my position don't actually know what's going on in these cities. We we might see the numbers, but we don't know the people behind those statistics. We don't know what it's like to actually be there. And as a result, I think some of the solutions that are coming forward actually don't make a difference. Pastor Carl is there. He's on the ground. He's doing this work. And his perspective is informed by that. This conversation, I think, is important. Everybody's got an opinion about gun violence and gun control and federal legislation. But we're not listening to the people who are living at the effect of this epidemic of violence. People's opinion of me won't change me. And that's how I navigate as a pastor. Like, if if I got to 
go wherever. If I have to be in a trap house, for, for those that don't understand a trap house, that might be the house where people have their drugs, guns, whatever they might be doing. If I got to meet young brothers there, I don't care if people say, what Pastor Carl's doing coming out of there? Just know when I went in there, I went in there to re- impact and reach some people and try to bring hope to hopeless places. Things to be listening for in this conversation. First of all, Pastor Carl is real. <laughs> he's real. And he's not afraid to challenge Democrats or Republicans, Fox News or Black Lives Matter to do better. You don't hear that often. He is coming from such a real place. He's not partisan. He cares about people. It comes through in this interview. Also, because of his position, he knows that solving the problem is not as simple as just passing gun legislation. If you listen to him, you can see it's much more complicated than just passing a federal bill. And lastly, he has insight into the way that social media is actually playing a role among young people in driving the violence. That's something I had not heard about before. We're not talking about that on uh, national news the way that we should. Look, this violence is happening all across the country. It's not just Philadelphia. It's happening everywhere. But if we want to try to solve the problem, we got to listen to the people who are actually going to the funerals. And that is why I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation I had with Pastor Carl right after this. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. All right, brother man, brother man. It is so good to have you on the Uncommon Ground podcast. Look, I mean... The idea that in America, in a city like Philadelphia, so-called cradle of liberty and all these different things, tourists go there, take pictures with the Liberty Bell. You know, you could get in a car and within 15 minutes, you could be in literally a war zone. I think people don't understand that that's true. 
and they don't understand why it's true and they don't understand what can be done about it. And the reason I really want to talk with you and I want your voice to be elevated is because you're there. You're not in a college academy setting interpreting data and writing treatises. You know, you're literally every day yourself in the situation, in the circumstance. And so I want America to hear from you. I want you to really let folks know what is going on that's creating little war zones in the middle of American cities. Man, nothing is no longer logical. And I think too many times we look at things from a place of logic or reason that we have, you know, as adults or as educated adults, not understanding that these are minors. So when you have social media again, and we all have, we all have embattled issues of pride, but they have their own demographics and issues of pride to deal with because in social media it creates their environment. That's the reality. So for those listening, you got to understand again, the same way in which things were happening in school back in the day. And that was just between you and the person in school. Now things happen, people record things. So those high school fights get posted. You have accounts that repost or share all of the violence and let people know. It brings awareness to the violence. And guess what? Then at one point, teenagers and young people literally wanted to inflict violence or inflict harm because it was their, it was almost their way of making the news. For some people, this is their claim to fame. But you also have social media where people post or put out that information. Now people feel like, again, what went from five people seeing it in person So now you have thousands of people who've seen it online, which now pushes you to have to respond. Why? Because your community now looks at you a certain type of way. So now we see this growing from, again, what could have been diffused only if a couple of people had known and you would have been able to mediate a situation, squash it, put it behind you. Now you got thousands of people with an opinion, which creates a different type of peer pressure. And when you're living in these neighborhoods, yeah, you have to respond. We have young people right now with underdeveloped brains, but yet are still on drugs. And this is how they already lack the comprehension or the skills to handle or resolve conflict. So this is why this war zone looks the way that it looks. You know, a lot of times people don't realize that 18 to 25 demographic, most of them are still really 14 in a mind because they didn't get a chance to grow up. Slow, slow it down. Walk me through this. Why would a 18 year old man or 20 year old man actually be 14? in some parts of, of America. At 13 or 14, 15, you end up getting adult issues dropped on your lap. You know, whether you're just growing up with your mother or you're not really growing up with either parent. Cause a lot of times people don't understand, you know, mothers being single mothers end up having to work enormous amounts of hours where they're leaving a child home. And you may be 14 and you're sitting here left to tend to and watch over your younger siblings. Beyond that, um, you're forced to grow up fast or at least carry this persona where you have to grow up fast, where you have to be tough because the community's tough. The environment is tough. So oftentimes these boys are 12, 13, 14, 15, and they feel like, guess what? They have to be tough guys instead of embracing their true selves. So when I'm saying growing up fast or they never got a chance to really grow up, they never really got a chance to really experience childhood because they had to carry themselves or conduct themselves a certain type of way in the environment. I mean, you got guys that have been selling drugs since they were teenagers. You got guys who've been carrying guns, guys who, you know, have been going through wars. There are men that are 20 years old and wars and beefs have started because of a high school fight when they were 14 and 15 years old. Well, well what does work? Because I, I think, first of all, when people start talking about gun violence, what they start, what they want to talk about is legislation. They want to start, you know, Congress should like change this or change that, do background checks, whatever. Background checks are not going to have a, do a single thing in the age of ghost guns 
where people are literally buying parts of guns and putting them together themselves. There's no background check involved. So automatically, most people talking about this problem are talking about something that has no reality, no relationship to what's actually happening in the streets. The other thing that happens is we do send money. We send taxpayer money. Yeah. We send charitable donations to organizations. But there is a particular set of interventions that you are seeing that actually can move some of the kids that are really in harm's way into a better direction. Can you describe what actually works these days? A lot of these young boys and young men lack consistency in their lives. People come and go, even their friends. You know, when you have brothers around you dying, you have brothers around you going to jail, you are constantly, you know, changing your surroundings. You're constantly changing your circles. They need consistency and commitment and a level of involvement investment that's going to be there even when they tend to fail or they may, you know, they may, they may, they may miss the mark. We take our youth, we take our young men in various settings, whether it's around construction sites, whether they get to see the day-to-day operations with that. We take them to meet people who've been invested in the tech world. You know, there are ways that you can go ahead and do more because my mission is to show people that there's more than a block. There's more than just the block. Many of these guys don't get off the block. These guys will stay on the corner because everything that they need is on the corner. Your homies are there with you. The corner store is right there. So you go in there, you're eating your meals from the corner store, which is why we're big on, again, different experiences. Got to show you something different than just the cheesesteak. Like, we got to show you that, guess what? You can eat breakfast. You can, there, there are different types of people, all kinds of places, universities, you name it. Because a lot of times, man, lack of exposure will always limit a person's level of hope. So if you're not exposed mm. to something, they don't believe it exists. Um, but it takes people to be committed to them and not be afraid of them. So we got to actually, we got to show them that love. And this is just something that I'm dedicated to and devoted to because again, I I can't sleep at night if I'm just a Sunday pastor because I know that God's telling me right back after I'm praying. So what are you going to do about it? We have to be out there because that is their reality. And unless we're committed and dedicated and devoted, you know, to connect and build and pour into their lives, sow into their lives regularly, we can't expect to, you know, yield the harvest and see a harvest of people. There's very few people in the country like you. There's a lot of people who are pastors in safe places and safe spaces, <laughs> giving safe messages to safe people. <laughs> Amen. That's facts. But I spend a lot of my time on cable news and stuff like that. And the I, I hope that the Uncommon Ground community recognizes this is a very different conversation we're having than the conversation we usually have on television. A lot of conservatives will go on Fox News and they'll say, hey, look at all the violence happening in Chicago. How come the Democrats do something about the violence in Chicago or the violence in Philadelphia, the violence in Detroit? But I don't see the conservatives then coming to help. (laughs) I don't see the people from Fox News going to any of those funerals with those black grandmamas or helping. How does it land with you when you see, you know, these funerals being politicized? Um, how, How does it land with you when you hear that kind of stuff? Do you think that conservatives could and should do more to be helpful? Absolutely, man. And when I see that, I literally, Van, I begin to pull out hair that I don't even have. Because don't politicize the death where in which your only solutions that you come up with is always, you know, jail. Who's there to actually build up the child that's now left in the wild? Nobody, you know. So now you'll build a metric or some type of statistic to say that you've driven crime down. But now you have a seven year old who's now impacted traumatically. So they think the best issues or the best ways to solve it is on the surface, which continues to really perpetuate and feed the same cycles that's going to keep breeding, you know, fatherless children that have to 
kind of fend for themselves or learn along the way. And they don't want to send help, don't want to send funds, don't want to send support and don't want to help actually build sustainable villages for a lot of these children. Yeah, I I have a a prayer that some of the people who are on the conservative side might come, might actually do pilgrimage and actually come and take part in some of the stuff that you're doing and others are doing. Just sit in the back, listen, learn, be present, be proximate. When we talk about people that we aren't talking to, we always get it wrong. That's just that's just a principle. If I'm talking about you, I'm not talking to you, I'm going to get it wrong. And by the way, it's not just hypocrisy on the right that bothers me. On the left, you know, there's a critique that says, you know, we scream Black Lives Matter, but only when a white person takes a black life. Do, do, you, do you share that same sense of frustration that if it's politically useful for progressives, it's loud, but then when it's not, you don't see the same level of energy? Or do you see it differently? I see it uh, 1 million percent uh, the same way you do. Oftentimes, I've been at press conferences with the mayor and other people speaking on the violence, dealing with the district attorney's office. And I visit and deal with a lot of the parents, the victims and co-victims of gun violence in Philadelphia. And the one thing that I've heard, and I can say this, Van, with a thousand percent accuracy and honesty, I've heard from various black mothers who said to me, Pastor, who's going to march for my son? And, and, and I can do nothing but weep inside and then let them know we can't worry about them. I got you. And we're losing hundreds. We're on pace to be over 500 murders. Vast majority black and brown people. In, in one city, Philadelphia. In one, in one city. In, in 2,000, over 2,000 shooting incidents. Yesterday alone, we just lost a 67-year-old and an 18-year-old to robberies. Now, you are in a position to invite both sides uh, I mean, because you're not political. I mean, that's the, the thing about you is that you're just, you know, you are a, uh, a warrior for, for truth and for love and for, for, for Christ. So, I mean, is it time to have some kind of a summit where you, where you bring the people from the conservative world and from the progressive world to really listen to these grandmamas and young people? And maybe we could reset both movements in a more positive way uh, based on what you're doing. I'm with that a thousand percent. I definitely believe the same thing because, you know, yeah, like you said, I'm 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 truly independent here. And, and for me, we definitely need to have that level. We need to take that level of seriousness right now and bring both sides together to where the people matter more. Not about what side is right, what side is left or who's trying to be right in the midst of this mess but where the people are heard and actions actually taken. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. You can power up your playtime with the Nintendo Switch system, the home of Mario and Friends. You may discover exciting surprises with Mario, Princess Peach, and more in Super Mario Bros. Wonder 
or challenge friends to a race in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. You can head to Nintendo.com to learn more about the Nintendo Switch system. Games and systems sold separately. What has the response been from the city, from the foundations? Are people responding effectively? A lot of money goes into violence prevention. A lot of money goes into you know, city coffers, and yet you see this going on. How would you describe the effectiveness of most of these violence prevention strategies so far? I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think a lot of it's been effective because, to be quite honest with you, we don't see enough innovation in this sector. There's metrics out there that point to and say that 2% of people actually account for the vast majority of inner city violence. But the vast majority of those who want to distribute funds want to distribute funds to things that look like it's highly populated. So just offhand, knowing what we know, it makes no sense to boast and say that you have 200 people that you're engaging when we know that the vast majority of the 200 people aren't the people who are actually perpetrators of violence. That's what they call them. You know what I mean? It looks good from an optics perspective because a politician gets to sit there, take a picture and have 200 brown faces and say, hey, this is what we've, we're part of or this is what we're funding. And it looks good. But we got to do better in a educating community to let them know that, you know, just because you see this on the news doesn't mean they're reaching a bunch of the people that need to be reached. So it's almost like, you know, we're firing all these cannons of money at everything but the actual young people who are engaged with the violence. And then what they'll do as well, you know, with where in which they created this whole credible messenger type of mentality. You know, they typically take a guy who's probably done time, has some shared lived experience with the vast majority of people that they're trying to reach. And they do so by gauging the metrics of saying that, hey, this person did prison time. He comes home. He's a credible messenger. And I really believe that that's been a complete failure in a lot of ways, because the younger these kids get like Van people have to understand, like I'm I'm 36 and I'm right now talking to demographics of kids that are 13 years old that are involved in gun violence. They're like three generations. And if you're talking streets, streets, the streets is like politics, man. Every four years, those terms flip over so much changes very, very fast in the streets. So in street life, I may be five generations removed from a 13-year-old. So you bring a guy home that did 20 years in the penitentiary, he don't even know how to use a cell phone better than the kid he's trying <laughs> to reach. And, and, and it's not just about being credible, it's about being competent. And the way in which we, be, we, we begin to get more and more competent in reaching these people is building real relationships. And that's the thing that most of the funders, most of you know the grants and everything else don't really want to allocate to because that's the invisible. That's the thing in which they can't always quantify. But you got to build real relationships for, A, these kids to be transparent enough for them to actually trust you and also for them to actually put themselves in a place of vulnerability. You know, and that's when you start breaking ground. But that takes, you know, hours, manpower. That takes, you know, different types of incentives, experiences and a different level of commitment to these youth that many have written off. Well, hey, listen, you know, you don't just walk around in the streets, you also have a, a pulpit that you preach behind. I want my audience to hear a little bit of the message you're putting out to the young people in Philadelphia. Society has convinced us that greatness has a uniform. That's why when somebody wants to come teach you about money, you sit there and say, man, well, you don't really look like money. I ain't trying to hear nothing he got to say. What kind of car he pulled up? No, he can't tell me about a business. Which is why many of us try to put on a greatness uniform, not realizing that greatness does not have a uniform. Greatness is a lifestyle. Amen. Seriously, many denied the Christ even throughout his ministry. Because why? He didn't come 
on a stallion? The Bible says he came on a donkey. He didn't come wearing armor and everything else. They were seeking this, 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 this warrior. He came with humility. They wanted him to destroy everything. They wanted to inflict harm back. They wanted him to go ahead and do unto them what they were doing to them. Jesus came talking this talk that man, it was, it, it was, it was almost blasphemous to them. He's talking about forgiving and loving your neighbor and doing everything else, which is why many rejected that Christ. The same way those words like that is cuss words right now. Loving your neighbor and forgiveness and whatnot. The same way. Listen, man, we, we, as, as, much, as, as much as we have advanced in regards to technology, we haven't advanced that much as a people. What you're doing is pretty incredible. What are your inspiration points in terms of even being a preacher of this level? Man, I, I had a great mentor, late Reverend Tyree Craig, who actually Van told me that I was called to ministry. I was actually visiting the church while I was like running around in the streets and <laughs> sat in the top row. And he said he wanted to talk to me after church, probably about th my third week there and told me that God has this call for me. He was like, you know, and I really believe God wants you to, you know, start this young adult ministry with me. But he said, I need you to take this journey with me. And Van, no lie, I laughed inside. I said, this guy is crazy. He really don't know what I'm into or who I am and what's going on in my life. But that was the first time that I actually experienced somebody telling me God told him something. And he, somebody actually heard from God because lo and behold, years later, it manifested and it came into fruition. So for me, he was a big inspiration. Well, let, let's talk about this because, look, America is getting more and more secular. So what is it about your approach to your faith, your interpretation of the Bible and Christianity that has you acting in a way that I think anybody would be impressed by. I don't care if you're right, left, white, black, brown, the fact that you are going out into streets that most people would flee from and changing lives, anybody would be impressed by it. But you're not doing it because you, you read a, a, a political science book. You did it because you read the Bible. Talk about that. Yeah, um, honestly, Van, I, I just strive to be more like Christ. Christ, to me, was the epitome of, you know, love, compassion, um, grace, and most certainly was revolutionary. So, you know, a lot of times uh, when most people look to certain revolutionary people throughout American history, I look at Jesus who sought to, A, come down in the midst of oppression and brought innovative ways that really broke people from societal norms and decided to say, you know, he's going to build the backbone of his ministry off of loving folks. And he was the ultimate servant. Jesus was confident enough, right? Like we hear people say like, oh, well, I'm, I'm secure in my masculinity or I'm secure in my identity and everything else. He was secure enough in who he was to say, guess what? I can go to the hard places and spaces and reach anybody. And guess what? It's not going to change me. People's opinion of me won't change me. And that's how I navigate as a pastor. Like if, if I got to go wherever, if I have to be in a trap house, for, for those that don't understand a trap house, that might be the house where people have their drugs, guns, whatever they might be doing. If I got to meet young brothers there, I don't care if people say, what Pastor Carl's doing coming out of there? Just know when I went in there, I went in there to rent impact and reach some people and try to bring hope to hopeless places. And I believe that we as the church, due to our negligence and really cultivating real relationships in community, leaving that demographic uh, of, of millennials for at some point in time, you know, looking at them as secular or whatever 
type of terms we came up, we've created that distance. Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And that's a mission. That's something I apply. I want to love my neighbor as I love myself or I would love my own children. You know, I, I think it's um, really extraordinary. People love Dr. King, but they forget it's Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Amen. <laughs> you know, the guy that took Christian faith and used it as a, as a tool, as a weapon to uh, free people. Look, man, I, um, I just appreciate getting a chance to talk with you about all this stuff. If anybody who's listening to this wants to be helpful, what, what do they do? Anybody's checking it out, man, any ways to be helpful, uh, check us out, culturechangingchristians.org. We update things that we have going on. Uh, got a lot coming through the pipeline in ways that which people can volunteer, things that people can support, and even just providing spaces to where in which we can bring our youth through and allow our youth to be able to experience whatever they have going on. That's for business owners, those of, you know, for educators, you name it. We're always trying to partner. We're always looking for ways to just expand our reach and enlarge our network. So uh, please feel free. Thank you. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so beautiful. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door. It's really humbling to spend time with folks like Pastor Carl. Dude's got so much courage, and it just takes a lot of guts, frankly, to put yourself on the front lines to enter literally a war zone and try to find some kind of peace. Walking through streets where a lot of times the smell of, of gunfire is still in the air when he gets there, and he's leading these prayer circles while the police tape is still up. I mean, it just challenges me, I think, to do better. I hope it encourages all of us to do more. Now, everybody can't do what Pastor Carl does. Uh, I, I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> it that's it, a special kind of talent that he's got. But all of us can come together and work for solutions to gun violence and all these other problems in our country. And I think we can take real inspiration from folks like Pastor Carl. You know, one thing that he said that gave me a lot to think about, and it really stood out, was when he was talking about so-called credible messengers credible messengers, people the city has deemed as credible because of their background, but they may not always be the best people to run these programs. Credibility does not always equal competence, and he's not afraid to say that. At the same time, a version of this problem doesn't you know, happen only in urban communities. I often see people being deemed credible because they went to a fancy school or credible because they got the most grant money or they looked the part somehow and they're really good at pushing papers and they're really good at going to conferences all these different things that we read as credible but they're not the kind of leaders who are close enough to the ground to come up with innovative solutions that can really drive change those aren't credible leaders you know according to the media but those are what i would call authentic leaders and we've got to start getting behind more authentic leaders people who are on the ground every day people who are invested in the community, people who are connected to the community, people who are walking their talk like Pastor Carl does. Those are the folks we should be seeking out. Now, during the holidays, I know a lot of us are you know, making plans. You know, we give gifts to our friends and our families, and sometimes we donate to charities. This year, I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging you to find at least one authentic leader that you can get behind and support. 
And by supporting, I mean, you know, donate money to support their cause, volunteer time with them, buy their book or subscribe to their podcast. Could mean even giving them your vote. Some authentic folks are running for election in your community. Whatever giving looks like to you, I would say let's start giving to more authentic leaders, not just the person that's running the biggest, flashiest not-for-profit that can send you all those glossy pamphlets in the mail or hitch up on the email 15 times before the end of the year. Give to the person who knows the names of the kids who are walking down the street. Give to the person who's listening to people who are being affected, who's actually changing people's circumstances. Those are the authentic leaders that drive real change, who need real support. With that being said, I am extra excited to use this platform to highlight another authentic leader from Philadelphia, a young gifted poet named Ryan Bryant. We are so honored to share her poetry with you. Take a listen. Live from the 215 is where I reside. The city made me. Brotherly love, but no love shown. Guns blown, envy and greed runs deep in the ones that live here. If you can make it out of Illadel, you can make it anywhere. Home of the innovators, the illest creators. Why you think they put John in a dictionary? Because with the end all be all, but it gets dark in my city. The new murder capital was a blessing to see 50. We feel honored to see 30 because most don't make it. Untimely demise flows to our town like the fog on an autumn day. Get paid and stay out the way. Watch your body and be safe. An inevitable phrase in our everyday dialogue. Pray for Philly is the daily monologue. But more than a prayer, my city needs something. Crying mothers from the P to Kensington Beach is bittersweet. Personal even because I lost my brother to the streets before he turned 23. Witnessing my mother's grief of burying her firstborn at a young age. Repetition of his fine is a diminishing generation before our eyes, before they get a chance to live a life uninterrupted by a vicious cycle, claiming the lives of young brothers before they hit 25. One may ask how we manage to feel joy when all we know is pain. Resilience at its best is not all in vain. Determined to reach the minds of the youth and change the narrative before it's too late, and in spite of my disdain of the violence and lives at stake, there's always a place in my heart for where I'm from, home of the rowdy sports fans and cheesesteaks, Soundtrack for the championships on Meek Millie Hood Anthem set on Beans and Freeway. Always my first love. The concrete jungle, that is. It is us against everybody, and in spite of it all, still a proud native of my city, Philly. Beautiful, beautiful words from Ryan. Look, that's it for this week's Uncommon Ground. Happy holidays, everybody. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Adesua Agbanile, Sundus Hassan Noli, and Lindsay Cradlewell. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Morais, Chantel Muentes, and Sam Petherbridge. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Louie, and Chris Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.